Top the double rainbow, gaily swinging my feet as they arch over the Hermitage of North Texas's liberal conservative studies. I think I'm getting everything back. It's been a while since I've done this and got everything out of whack here. I had to put stuff back together. We're going to do an hour, I hope, if my voice lasts. I was a carnival barker at our church's Halloween fair last night, and the uh, Needless to say, I'm, my voice is very scratchy and hard to use right now, so I don't know how long I'll last. I don't know what is going on. It's like my video camera is closer than normal from where I keep it. it uh, it's weird on Periscope. So usually I've got more back. Uh, to, hey, hello, Scotland. I uh, 
my girlfriend and I dressed up as Highlanders for Halloween this year. <laughs> a lot of people at the State Fair of Texas took our pictures. <laughs> they they were they uh, they liked it. Of course, I don't think they took them all just because of me. But, uh, Santa in a kilt, but uh, and a hot girlfriend. But, uh, a lot of fun. Odd how small the world is. I invited my girlfriend and her three girls, her daughters, to my church for this Halloween thing. So, you know, it's safe. There's lots of stuff to do. And, you know, when they went all out, hayride, bouncy house, uh, all kinds of games and food and prizes and glow sticks and junk. And they came only to discover that her aunt and other relatives had shown up for this place too. And that her grandparents by marriage, I guess, uh, attend my church. <laughs> so, so, uh, that was kind of weird, <laughs> that small world thing. That, uh, and maybe a message from God that this was a good relationship. Cause I mean, what are the odds of that? Right. That, uh, it's weird how God's hand providence is always involved in everything. I got there early, Zarina, and got pegged for the ping pong ball toss, which, you know, didn't think that'd be a big deal, but the kids got excited throwing ping pong balls. I got excited uh, barking at them and telling them what to do and, and rooting them on. And <laughs> next thing you know, I can barely, I can barely talk. At, uh, I don't know. My relationship, I've been, you know, it's been a, it's been a long time since I've been in a serious relationship because everybody I date, I always sabotage and get rid of them. At, uh, and so if there's, if we ever start even getting close, then I destroy them. This is the first time I've had a girlfriend that I've dated that I've wanted a relationship with. And it's perhaps one of the most frustrating things I've done in a long, long time because I don't understand everything that's being done. I'm out of shape, out of practice. It's harder than hell to understand women on the best day. And when you haven't really been serious with one for a long time, <laughs> I haven't had a woman spend the night with me since 2001. I always make them go. So that's <laughs> um, kind of crazy. My uh, Addie, uh, my future stepdaughter, she is, uh, she's doing very well. Very well. Yeah. In fact, uh, there's a Highland woman that's uh, svelte and uh, wants a green card. Hadn't hadn't called me. Red hair, green eyed, and uh, and tiny. That oh, hi, laddies. That's for me. But, uh, so anyway, I wonder how much of any problems that we had, you know, disconnect and communications. We're really not having problems, but the disconnect and communication and punctuality are are two of my big things. And uh, and Megan's not hot on punctuality. <laughs> she's she is just not. But you know, a single mom with three kids, uh, I'm not sure how she ever could be. Anyway, it's like herding cats constantly. And uh, so, anyway, I'm trying to be patient and learn, and not just say, "Okay, I'm not putting up with this crap anymore," and walk away again. Because I've done that so much that I always am self sabotaging it, and and I I realize that. Uh, I realize that. So I'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt. And when you see things like what Providence did yesterday with the Halloween thing, it makes me think, well, I sure as heck better give this patience because if this is, if this actually is something that is God's will, I don't want to be the reason that I screw it up. But uh, on the other hand, 
<laughs> God better give me some patience. That's a deep breath. That's it. Deep breath. Healing breaths. <laughs> I'm actually smitten with this girl, and I had no idea why. Uh, I really don't. It's uh, because every reason not to be. And yet here I am. Maybe that's exactly why. You know, because I, I spent so much time protecting my heart and refusing to allow anyone to have a position of authority and power over my life, soul, or heart, uh, like my ex-wife did. At, uh, of uh, 18 years of wedded hell and wedded hell, and so uh, you need my email again. It's underground a radio show at undergroundprofessor.us. Radio show at undergroundprofessor.us. And uh, let me see here. I'll type this in. And uh, this is my super secret one for you and Doc. You can use that. There it go, right, Tommy? The uh, Christmas is coming up. Oh, my goodness. It's like already here. And, um, well, thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. I, I hope so. I'd like to think that I, I deserve it. Uh, I'm a good guy mostly, and, uh, and I don't ever intentionally cause people harm or problems. But I never turn away from a fight. And uh, I, I think one of the problems is, is I'm afraid of being treated like a doormat simply because so much of things that happen don't bother me. I just roll it over. I don't allow it to, to affect me. And, and because I don't throw a fit about it, then um, I think sometimes people think that they can treat you like a doormat for that. And there's two things that set me off and that's being treated like a doormat because I'm kind and generous and, and open or for treating me like I'm stupid and taking advantage of me, conning me, uh, you know, and that is something that uh, those two things are deal breakers for me. The second I figure out that it's going on, then I'm done. I walk away and I'm, you know, constantly thinking maybe that's what's going on and then constantly finding good reasons, not finding, having good reasons handed to me for why things happen that happen and, so I don't know if it's just impatience on my part or or the fact that I'm schizophrenic, manic, depressive, and <laughs> think everybody's out to get me. Might have something to do with it, too. <laughs> so, yes, I'm praying for patience and understanding and for not being treated like a doormat. And if you guys want to add in on those prayers, jump in. Uh, we can pray for each other on that. <laughs> so there we are. The news, the news has uh, been quite revelatory lately, hasn't it? It's been kind of exciting. I can't remember a, a, an election cycle outside of Nixon's that's been like this, that has been so inundated with, with scandal. And, of course, the Nixon thing was much ado about nothing, but it just happened to be groundbreaking because – most of the scandals in Washington were kept under wraps and protected by politicians. So, you know, very rarely did they allow them to get out of hand and become public and, and a big problem. So here we have uh, Nixon come along and they, no one protected him and look what happened. And he did something. I mean, you know, he, he erased 30 seconds of a, of a tape, his own private tapes, by the way. I mean, they weren't, you know, I don't know is that we have a right to them, but <clears throat> but uh, he erased 30 seconds of them. And 
we wanted to impeach him. Hillary erases 30,000 emails or more, but 30 is a nice round figure. 30 seconds of tape, 30,000 emails, and we want to make her president. Uh, huh. Nixon didn't direct the plumbers in. I talked with G. Gordon Liddy about this a long time ago, but I talked to him. It was in the, uh, well, it was in the 90s. I had a, a chance to talk with G. Gordon Liddy once. And he told me that Nixon wasn't involved in the planning or persecution of this. I mean, they knew what he needed and wanted, and they didn't need to be told, kind of like the way the Obama administration, Clinton administration's people never need to be told what to go out and do and how to break the rules and laws because they know what the guy needs and they think like him, so they go do it. Nixon did was try to mitigate the damage after they got caught. Short version for all that don't know, the plumbers were a group of Republicans that snuck into the Democrat National Committee's offices to procure evidence out of their safe that they were running a prostitution ring for their donors and holy rollers and stuff in their party. And they were. This is something we know now. And they got caught. Most of them sang to get reduced sentences and not be put in jail. Uh, G. Gordon Liddy didn't, went to jail. He didn't create all this, but Nixon tried to cover it up, to hush it up. He authorized money to be given to people to shut them up and to tell them to go away and leave it alone. Not good, but he wasn't the cause of these things. And uh, Hillary joined the Democrat Party. She had been a Goldwater girl. And her parents were strong Republicans, good people. And uh, they, she calls him a small businessman. They were wealthy people, okay? They, they weren't hurting for money. And, uh, but Hillary decides she goes to Wellesley and gets converted into communism because she is inundated with pro-lesbian, uh, feminazi, uh, anti-American, anti-capitalist uh, propaganda from morning, noon, and night at Wellesley College. And becomes a convert to communism. Joins the team to prosecute Nixon. And the team kicks her off because she lies, fabricates evidence, and makes up things, and is just unruly. And, you know, for a Democrat to think that's inappropriate, and it must really be at some kind of mega letter. <laughs> and, uh, well, thank you, sir. And... Uh, um, I'm hoping that's what I'm trying to do, come through this through the back door to explain elections and whatnot. Uh, uh, and before I forget, the Agador and I and Jeff from EDL over in London, and we've got an Aussie, Mike Holt, I think is his name, down in Australia, Cal Fritzi out of Canada, and a few others are going to join us, and we're going to have a truly international election-watching party on election night. I'm not sure when. Maybe Agador would pop me a, a Twitter or something and tell me when, but I think it's like 7 p.m. or 8, 8 p.m. Uh, Central Texas time, and we are going to uh, have an international election-watching party. <laughs> and, uh, so she must have really been quite heinous to get kicked off of the committee that's going after impeachment of Richard Nixon for being heinous. All right. And uh, 
And exactly. <laughs> you don't get much news over there. Probably get better news than we do, though. I mean, you know, looking at British newspapers a lot, I, I study them a lot more than I do American ones because ours are, are propaganda machines for the left. And and if I want to know something about my government, I usually go and look at Australian or British newspapers. Yeah. I used to look at Scottish ones, but when y'all didn't uh, separate from the uh, the British Empire, that just broke my heart. <laughs> Braveheart. It broke my Braveheart. And uh, so, so I'm I'm really upset with the Scots right now. They should have had a Scotsics instead of a Brexit. <laughs> Scotics, whatever you call it. And, uh, I guess that doesn't work. But so today we have that woman. You know, oh, you're part of the 45 percent. Well, then cheers, mate. <laughs> so. So uh, we have the very woman that got kicked off of the impeachment um, detail over Nixon running for president. Now, I tell you what, you say what you will about Hillary Clinton, but she learned a lot of lessons from Nixon, didn't she? Uh, she was much better at it, much smarter, and uh, at her machine is incredible. I'm truly frightened of the Clinton machine. I truly am. Which is why quite often I come on this show and tell you all that I am not feeling suicidal at all. And if you find me in Marcy Park with a bullet in the back of my head, I did not commit suicide. If you find me in my car with 30,000 bullet holes in it, that I did not commit suicide. Okay? Let me just get that out. Not feeling suicidal. The, and I'm not the only one that fears the Clinton machine. All right. I mean, look at the CEO of of um, Clinton Foundation, right? The head of WikiLeaks, which is not Russia, <laughs> the head of WikiLeaks mysteriously dies. The very next day, and we know WikiLeaks, right? They're leaking all this crap about Hillary's emails and stuff. The very next day, the CEO of the Clinton Foundation shows up in Russia. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? Wherever he was, gets on a plane, flies to Russia, and asks, uh, not amnesty, what's that word I want? Um, embassy, amnesty. Uh, uh, what is the word I want? Someone help me out here. I've forgotten the word. Where you go in asylum. That's the one I want, asylum. Uh, he goes to Russia and publicly asks for asylum. Now, most people who go to Russia secretly ask for asylum. It's part of the rules in Russia. And my source over there in the Kremlin is telling me that they are very, very upset about uh, about this because it's putting them in a bad spot. They are pissed off about the Clinton campaign talking about Putin and the Russians as being involved in Republican uh, elections. And whether they are or they aren't, it wouldn't surprise me either way. Uh, but the source that I have over in the Kremlin is telling me that there aren't, and they're really pissed that they're being blamed for it. Some are saying, well, why didn't we do this? We should have done this. But So they're getting angry about our press, which is a Clinton Foundation machine, and, uh, and the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton campaign dragging Putin and the Russians through this, and it's making them mad. Uh, and they're pretty convinced over there that World War Three or four, whichever you want to call it, is going to start because of Hillary 
launching war on Russia. In fact, Putin and those people believe this so thoroughly that they have executed orders to remove all family from their embassies. So all these embassies and stuff, all the wives and children and everything, they're being sent home to Russia. And the orders are that if they don't, then they have refused future promotion. That the punishment will be you, your career is over in their version of the State Department, okay, in the embassy system and uh, the foreign services. So they're taking this seriously over there. And we, we Americans should be very cognizant of this because this, these are the kind of steps when, you, when a historian looks back and says, well, how did this war start? These are the things that they're going to look for, and these are the things that are happening. The things that led towards World War II are happening today. The ones that led to World War I are happening today. Positioning by countries, inflammatory language, pulling embassy personnel, things like that should have our attention. This election is critical to America and to the rest of the world. The... the, uh, uh, will World War III be on U.S. soil? I I think I would I have been saying that World War III has already started, and it's what we're euphemistically calling the War on Terror, but it's the War on Islam, uh, the War on Freedom, on their perspective. They're they're you know War on Western civilization from the Islamist position, and uh, and I think that's already going on, and I think it's already on our soil. Uh, You know, uh, was it Oppenheimer or Einstein? One of those two had a quote that said that he doesn't know what weapons World War III will be fought with, but World War IV will be be fought with stones and sticks, uh, bow and arrows or something like that. I'm not sure of the quote. You can probably Google it and find it or Bing it, whatever. But uh, that's close enough for what we're talking about here. Uh, I think World War III is the war on terror, the war on Islam. Uh, to preserve Western civilization. This, if you don't want to call it World War III, then what What did we have? Six or nine crusades? How many crusades do we have? Anybody over in England remember that? Scotland? Maybe you guys can tell me. But uh, whatever it is, this is the newest crusade. And, uh, and that's what we should be calling it, a crusade to save Western civilization. And we darn sure better take it seriously. Uh, only a few of the crusades were taken seriously. <laughs> Uh, and, and funded correctly and manned correctly, and this is why Islam spread, and this is why we have a problem today. And we need to tra- take this seriously, uh, the modern-day crusade, to end Islam. And, and you have to end Islam, unfortunately, or that's the only way you can preserve and protect Western civilization. And Western civilization is worthy of defending and protecting because of all the good that it's done, the improvement to health, to wealth, to life, that Western civilization has ushered. All other civilizations are barbaric and have kept their people barbaric compared to Western civilization. And and that's, you know, Chinese are very civilized, don't get me wrong, but they're barbaric. Their, their philosophies and stuff, they would still be doing what they did for centuries. Nothing wrong with that, but they wouldn't be improving health. They, well, you know what? China is kind of a bad example because they were very advanced health-wise over there. The Asians are, but but I mean things like air conditioning and, and space travel and, and 
middle class wealth. That stuff came out of Western civilization. And Islam, uh, yeah, yeah, it's right. They do. I, I, and I've been over there. I, I used to study China, and, and I grew up in Japan. And uh, yeah, they got, they, they're big on life, aren't they? <laughs> and lots of babies over there. Uh, but, but their ideas, while they wouldn't have improved the health sciences through their holistic medicines, Chinese medicine, right? But, but they would not have improved lifespans. You know, forty percent of the people alive today can expect to be a hundred years old. Forty percent. Now, that you have to go back a long time to find that kind of number of people that can expect to be a century old. And this is because of Western civilization. It's not because of Asian philosophies. It's not because of of Islam. I mean, Islam is still like in the fourth century. You know, they would still be riding camels and mountain goats. Well, wait a minute, they do. And, uh, you know, I mean, they would not have improved their society whatsoever uh, at all if it wasn't for Americans deciding that they wanted to go and show them how to get the oil out of the ground. They couldn't even figure that out. So we go over there and show them how to do that. They become very wealthy. And we, uh, Millennium won't be 80 because of processed food. I'm thinking that all this processed food is preserving them, that they may actually be one of the reasons they live to 100. But I think it's all the fat. that's The processed foods are causing them to be fat, and the fat's going to start killing them off and giving them heart attacks and health problems. And Obamacare is going to prevent them from being able to get help uh, medically because there'll be no money in medicine to pay for all the things that the fat people are going to need health-wise because fat people need more health care. And and so I think this is a situation where, where it's going to be a, a self-fulfilling prophecy of killing everybody off. And uh, those of us that are healthy will, will be the ones that are living long and enjoying life. Uh, Western civilization is worthy of preserving. Yeah, I guess that's one thing I didn't eat. I, I didn't can it. <laughs> Eating cow stomach is just... And I'm a Texan. I'll eat just about any part of a cow, but not haggis. Um, the uh, the elections are important, and we have uh, <laughs> wife walks in with a box of oatmeal cream pies. Oh my God, I love those, and they are so disgusting. Uh, irony. <laughs> they are so disgusting, and I love them. <laughs> that. Uh, I just ate some ho-hos. I had a box of ho-hos that I allow myself to have one a week. You know, one of those with the two little ho-hos in it, whatever they are, roll, you know, chocolate and creams. And uh, so anyway, I, I, I'm flummoxed by the American people on this election cycle. Does anybody out there raise your hand? If you really think that all of these email releases and knowledge now, and, and the Anthony Weiner, you know, has come into play yet again, and who knew? Who knew that, you know, we're used to Hillary having problems in her life because of a penis, but it's usually Bill's, not, you know, not Weiner's. And, uh, and so who knew We'd, she'd have another Weiner in her life that's causing her problems. But, uh, does that really matter to Democrats? I mean, it matters to us. This happened to a Republican candidate 
from any Republican candidate from Reagan through today, would we support him? There's a lot of Republicans that aren't even supporting Trump. Some are establishment Republicans, and they're afraid that a non-progressive will be elected, and so they're showing their colors by supporting Hillary. Uh, and let me, let me just tell you, any Republican that has come out and supported Hillary needs to go. Speaker of the House needs to go. All these people need to go. And, uh, and they need to be primary in the next election, and they need to be fired, and we need to send them packing. You can have differences of opinions, but by God, we are a Republican party. We have principles in writing that we stand for. And if you do this, then you are supporting the principles in writing that are contrary to what we believe in. You are supporting a party, if you support the Democrats, a party of racism, a party of slavery, a party of apartheid. And it's over. We cannot afford to allow Republicans to continue to do this. And if they do, and we can't get rid of them, I have finally, after how many years of arguing that we need to stay in the Republican Party and fix it internally, I am finally saying it may be third-party time. And I know millennials that are conservatives are ready for that. They are primed and ready to walk away from the Republican Party. They are disgusted. People like my own daughter, which I have begged, threatened to take out of the will, threatened to... Uh, uh, move in with them. I've done all kinds of threats to not vote for Gary Johnson. And uh, and they're going to vote for Gary Johnson. I'm sure of it. Unless they're just trying to get my goat, but I don't think so. The, my opinion is, is from talking to them and a lot of millennials, is that they don't want to support Trump. They think he's a Democrat. They think he's a progressive. And that he's a good friend of the Clintons. And that's an argument that I've been making. Right? I've been talking about Trump for a long time. Some of your weed-loving friends want Jill. Well, Gary or Jill. You gotta tell them to vote for Johnson. Uh, because Johnson is libertarian. Libertarians stand for legalization of pot and other drugs. Uh, I'm certainly in the position where I think we need to change the legal system on marijuana usage and stuff and quit putting people in jail for it. You know, let's give them an orange vest and let them walk up and down the streets and, <clears throat> and clean up our highways uh, instead of putting them in jail. And you know what? They can even smoke a doobie while they're doing it. Wouldn't bother me. Just keep extending their civil service time or their community service time. <laughs> but, uh, uh, we don't need to be filling up limited prison spaces. Uh, for this, and this way we can maybe get rid of our private prisons, which are profit-oriented and and have created a situation where we're putting prison, people in prison just to keep them running, and uh, and that we have a need to fill them up. Uh, but, you know, I have no problem with walking away and throwing away the key for these violent criminals. They need to go and be gone for a very long time until they're too freaking old to come out and hurt us again. But, uh, yes, so... <clears throat> I am worried that these well-meaning and um, uh, conscientious millennials are going to allow Hillary to get enough votes to win by not voting for Trump. 
and so I'm hoping that we can get Trump in and then spend the next four years organizing the Republican Party or a third party, creating a new constitutional-oriented party. All that's got fraught with risks and stuff, of course. But, uh, but again, if you're, a, if you're a Republican, I can see you not supporting Trump. I disagree with it philosophically. But you know what? It's not it's, – it's, well, it is Trump's job to convince you to vote for him. And if he can't do that, then, then I don't think you're responsible if Hillary wins. But having said that, if you're conscientiously voting and you vote against Trump by not voting for him, then you are part of the people that allowed Hillary to win if Hillary wins, and that is inescapable too. Uh, because regardless of Trump's ability to convince you or not, the country is more important. Our Constitution is more important. And you have to ask yourself, do anybody besides – that's 169 people running for, for president in America. And you have to ask yourself how many of them have a viable chance. Everybody knows that Agador and I are very supportive of Vermin Supreme. But uh, will Vermin Supreme win? No. He won't win. And it's unlikely that any of the 167 candidates will win. But there are two candidates that have a chance to win, and only two, barring some kind of miracle, and that's Clinton and Trump. Knowing that, voting for anybody but Clinton or Trump is a wasted vote. Not voting is a wasted vote. And You can look at it that any vote that isn't for Trump, whether you don't vote or vote for somebody else or you vote for Hillary, all of those are votes for Hillary because they're not votes for Trump. And and you don't have to go, as Doc, you're exactly right, you don't have to go and vote for Trump. Vote against Hillary by voting for Trump. (laughs) Your, Your vote can be a protest that way. And then, by God, do your civic duty. We have an obligation in this country, a duty to one another to vote. It's part of the parts of having rights and freedoms. They come with, you know, we have, we have uh, how did Thomas Jefferson say that? That we have, uh, uh, oh, I've forgotten the word I want again. Uh, not unconditional. Um, what's the word? Someone help me out. The way the, Declaration of Independence starts out, and uh, I can't think of the words. And uh, now the one that it's the the word that I can't think of is the word that him and John Adams argued over. Um, uh, they're self-evident, but uh, come on, Mike. Uh, da, 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 what is it? Uh, I can't think of the word. Inalienable. Finally, the brain kicks in. Inalienable rights. Okay. The uh, oh, Doc said it on there too. Beat me to it. So, I was uh, typing in Declaration of Independence while I was trying to come up with that, so I missed it, Doc. Inalienable rights are not independent of inalienable duties. And you can go and find one of my old shows, or so I've done it two or three times. I've covered inalienable duties 
of we the people, and one of them is to vote, to be part of the process. But guess what, people? As an American, you are a sovereign. This is something that almost no other country enjoys, even though everybody has that that right. This is what God gave us. And this is a natural right from natural law coming from God's law. But most countries don't allow their citizens to exercise that because they're suppressed, they're subjects, they're, you know, they're peasants, they're kept down. And uh, the doc, it's scary. It's like the doc's living in my mind rent-free. <laughs> and uh, so we... Uh, because of this, we get to choose our leaders, and we do so through primaries, elections, and voting. It's hard to get half of the eligible voters to even bother to show up to vote in this country. Half. Hard to get them to show up. And what's amazing is that after that vote, half of the eligible people of this country think they're done. They think, I've done my duty. I voted. And then they sit back and they watch the politicians for the next four years, or maybe they don't even bother to do that. They just go on with their lives, fat, dumb, and happy like we're supposed to in a republic, which is one of the reasons we have republics, so that we can hire people to go out and do our political business for us so that we can raise our families and we can go to the ballet and we can watch baseball games with our kids, build Pinewood Derby cars and stuff. This is what we're supposed to be doing in this country. But you're also supposed to be, as a sovereign, a watchdog over the powers you loaned the government and the people that we just elected. And half of the people that go and vote, 80, 90% of them will think they were done for the next two years until the elections come around again and they have to go vote again, they think they're done with their civic duty. I'm here to tell you that it's not enough. Your civic duty requires you to vote. It requires you to vote educatedly, meaning you've done research, not just look to see who has a D or an R next to the name and check it off, not to vote straight party ticket, but to vote for each person. But there's more to this. You're supposed to go and find out what they're voting on in Congress. You're supposed to keep a track of what they vote on and what they vote against. You're supposed to write them and say, I'm for this or I'm for that. Or please tell me, sir, you voted for this bill to fix the dikes in Louisiana. And you approved $1 billion to fix the dikes in Louisiana. But as near as I can tell, we've done that three or four times. And the dikes never get fixed in Louisiana, but a lot of politicians are getting rich in Louisiana. So please tell me, where is this money going, and will this bill actually fix the dikes? And then tell me, what part of the Constitution authorizes Congress to take money from the different states and give it to Louisiana to fix dikes, even for its legitimate purpose? Let alone the fact that it's fraud, waste, and abuse, and it's not fixing dikes, it's fixing people's wallets. The political prestigious are winning. Contractors that have political ties are winning. Winning, but not us, not the American taxpayer. You should be writing your congressman and saying, please tell me how this is part of congressional authority. 
please tell me how you're involved in this. Why? Because we can't name one thing in America that our government doesn't tax, control, and regulate. And I'm almost to the point now, if there is something out there, do not tell me, because it may go out on the airways, Congress will hear of it, and then they'll immediately tax it, and we won't even have that. But no one has ever been able to tell me one thing that government's not taxing, controlling, and regulating. It has eroded our state sovereignties. It has eroded our personal sovereignties. It has eroded our local government sovereignties. And I can't come up here and tell you voting for Trump will fix this because he understands the Constitution. I can't tell you he's going to fix this and we're going to have the right judges now. and We're going to have the right people. Air is taxed. Look at the EPA. <laughs> they tax the crap out of air. And they regulate it. And they control it. The Environmental Protection Agency. And there's a whole bunch of other agencies, too. So, <laughs> good luck. You want to go love? Let's go with love. Vegas authorizes it and taxes it. Right? Uh, love is a sexual thing. Uh, it's a sexual thing. It's a physical thing. It's got to be tang- you know, tangible. Uh, marriage is controlled by government. Trust me. <laughs> I've been through that. And divorce. They've gotten in- involved in something that was purely, purely ecumenical. And, uh, and though it's not. Hey, nobody. Cog, Doc, Mary. Everybody else that's over here in the uh, in the chat rooms and stuff. Uh, oh, that's how love is taxed. Exactly right. Marriage and divorce and uh, raising kids is incredibly expensive and controlled. Look at the child protective uh, services, right? And uh, so uh, uh, the fact that you may feel a chemical reaction in your brain towards another human being you can call that love uh, but to outside of it being in your head you know your thoughts aren't taxable and stuff but you're part of a human being and your human being is taxed you pay taxes payroll taxes uh, income taxes and whatnot as a human being and so since it's all of you those kind of things are taxed and controlled and certainly with the thought police and the things that we have today, uh, and political correctness and whatnot, thoughts are even more dangerous. And our court systems look at motive. Motivation are often just thinking. We have laws in here that will increase your punishment because you did something because you hate somebody because of their skin color. Uh, you know, if you kill them, then you go to jail for murder. But in America now, we have a system that well, not only will you go to jail uh, for murder, but we're going to increase your jail time and punish you more because you did it because of their skin color, which makes no sense to me. You can't punish somebody more because of, you know, of hate. You just, if they did a crime, then they get punished for the crime. And, uh, and who cares why, honestly? Motive used to be just so that we could demonstrate in a court of law that this person had a reason to do what he was doing. Motive was part of that. Who, what, when, where, why, motivation, and availability, capability. Those were things that we looked at in the legal system. Uh, Now that's used in the punitive system, and I think that's wrong. But that's another thing. Trump is not a constitutionalist. Not when he runs around and says that his poor... Uh, penniless daughter 
Ivanka needs more health care uh, and and baby care credits from the government because uh, because she's uh, pregnant, right? Does that make sense to anybody? That a Trump is out there saying that we need more child care laws to help pregnant moms because Ivanka's pregnant and, and this is a big thing on her part. Uh, again, I ask you to tell me what part of government in the Constitution that that's an authority over. It's none of their damn business. If I want it and I can convince my boss to do it, then the boss can offer it. It's not really something my boss should be offering. Now, if my boss wants to keep good quality people and and he says, you know what? If I open up a daycare or if I give daycare credits to my employees, I may retain them and then I don't have to keep training new ones. That's fine. That's legal capitalism. What I'm saying is just like under George Bush, George Bush was conservative, Herbert Walker, right? W. W was a conservative. That's what they kept telling us. And I kept saying he's not, but that's beside the point. Look at what he did with Medicaid and Medicare and the expansion of it. Incredible expansion of government just before he gets out of office. Government grows under progressive politicians no matter which party is in office. And the Bushes, the Romneys, the McCains, et cetera, et al., ad nauseum, are, are progressives. The Patriot Act is exactly a great example of government overreach. And, and it's unconstitutional. I don't care if the Supreme Court said it's okay. I was one of the few Republicans. And there's, you know, the people who listen to this show, there's lots of us that said this. I'm not unique in that fashion. When I say I wasn't one of the few, I mean out of you know, like Republican shows and uh, and the uh, uh, rank and file Republicans screaming that this was unconstitutional, and it is. Government doesn't have that authority, doesn't have that insight, doesn't have that power because we we didn't give it to them, did we? I mean, did we? Who who in here said that we gave all of this to the uh, the government? We need to rein in the Congress, the executive branch, and the judiciary. We all know this. The one that I'm most worried about, though, is not the judiciary. Tr- truly, it's not. It, it, the founding fathers would tell you it was the lowest level of threat to the American people's freedoms. Today, we see it as one of the major threats because of all the rules that eight or nine justices in black tell the rest of the country how they're going to live and what rules I have to comply with with our central government. I I grant you this argument. But let me posit that they are small potatoes compared to the fact that the executive branch and ergo subterfund the I couldn't, I'm sorry, I didn't say that right, my, my throat. But the bureaucrats, the bureaucracy, falls under the purview of the executive branch. And they are the ones ruling and running us right now. They are the ones that we have to worry about. They are the ones destroying our freedoms. They are the ones stealing our treasury. And that's what we have to do. I forgot I had something I wanted to play everybody. And, uh, oh, my goodness, I hope I can do this. Let me put this over here, Periscope, guys. 
I'm going to play this, and I'll, I'm going to extend the show a little bit uh, so that we can get it in, and then I'll come back, and uh, we will, uh, yeah. and then we will uh, sum up after this. I want to play. Thank you, Mary, for telling me that, by the way. Zarina is on the ball. Where is my camera at? Oh, it's down here. No wonder everything's wrong. I got the thing upside down. <laughs> okay, there we go. That's better. Yay, a kickity touchdown. Uh, I'm going to play this from the Ag Adorable. Uh, it is his show for the eve of the elections. Don't forget that we're going to be here election night with uh, from uh, up in Wyoming or something like that. And then there's uh, me down here in Texas. And, and then we have Jeff over uh, from England in the EDL. We have Mike down in Australia. We might have a Danish uh, show up. Uh, hopefully it's an orange Danish because those are my favorites. And uh, <laughs> Vermont, oh, well, they all look alike. What did I say? New Hampshire, Vermont, yeah. Yankee country, they're all the same. And uh, <laughs> Virginia, right? That's Georgia, they're all Yankees. <laughs> so let me play this for you guys. Yay. Well, I think I'm playing. Stand by for action. Thank you, Johnny. My name is Dave Benner. I am the unpleasant blind guy. Well, this is it. The final program I'm going to record before Election Day 2016. Now, I'm doing this on October the 24th, 2016, so I have no idea what's going to happen between now and Election Day. But there are a few things that I do know. I and a few of my conservative commentating counterparts have been accused by some, even respected commentators on the right, of propagandizing. Now let me translate that. Propagandizing, in this context, means that we're not weeping and wailing and gnashing teeth and declaring Hillary Clinton the victor of the 2016 election. We're daring to go against the grain of the state-stream media that is trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy by declaring Clinton the victory now so that people will be discouraged from going to the polls and voting for Donald Trump. Well, let me be as real as I can here. I'm not going to paint what I think is an unrealistically rosy picture of the situation. Nor, though, am I going to buy into pop media's narrative, and that's because I have somewhat inside information from across the pond. But we'll get to that later. It's also been said that it's unrealistic not to point the situation out for what it truly is. I'm going to do that, but I'm also going to encourage. Because as I record this, people, I honestly do not think that this election is over. And I honestly do believe that there is a good chance that if enough people get out and vote, Donald Trump will win this election. As I've always tried to be, I'm going to be real with you guys from start to finish. Let's begin with what we know about where we are. When Barack Hussein Obama was declared victor in the 2008 election, it wasn't long before he said this. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Well, they did. (laughs) And has he ever been successful at fundamentally transforming America? If you listen to my Halloween special, you heard me enumerate a few examples of his success. Many agree that constitutionally speaking, the United States of America did not survive the eight years of the Obama presidency. 
This time, the old formula that we hear every time there's an election of, well, we survived this one and we'll survive this next one, didn't hold up. At this point, we have an elite political class who lives by a different set of rules than everyone else, and they are backed up, frankly, by thugs and domestic terrorists. The first part of that statement can be proven in the results of the Hillary Clinton investigation and in the uncovering of what has been called a shadow government by an FBI probe, as reported in a CNBC article. And by the way, everything that I'm going to use in this program is going to be available at UBG Contact on Twitter. That's where you can contact me with comments, questions, and show suggestions. The second part of my statement can be proven by the incidences of illegal activity, thuggery, and yes, downright domestic terrorism that have been recorded only up to this date. As in the case of Grace, that's C underscore Lemons 666 on Twitter, whose post was seen on Wednesday, October the 19th, who said, We stole a giant Trump sign last night. Well, apparently Grace doesn't know that she committed a felony, and I doubt if she did know that she'd care. Then on October the 17th, 2016, a local Republican Party office in ashes today after what authorities in one North Carolina town say was a firebombing. Joining us now on the phone, North Carolina Republican Party Executive Director Dallas Woodhouse. Dallas, there was graffiti, I understand, painted on the outside as well, referring to, quote, Nazi Republicans. The part that you didn't say is it says Nazi Republicans get out or else. This is an utter act of political terrorism. I think the scariest part is the bomb hit sort of a couch in a chair where volunteers back out all the time. And it's just a grace to God that nobody was there. The office is a total loss, voter list, everything else. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is nobody was killed. People could have been killed. It's just a horrifying situation when you think you have volunteers and offices all across the state and all kinds of places. And these kind of acts are intended to intimidate. They are intended to terrorize. That's what they are. But we will not let it happen. These are only a few examples highlighting the brown shirt-like tactics of the Democratic Party headed by Hillary Clinton. Now, no to the never-Trumpers and the Hillary Clinton supporters. None of that's going to matter. Because Trump said bad things. Trump's a meanie. Trump's a bully. Well, let's check out some things that Hillary Clinton said. First, about religion. Hillary Clinton not only supports expanded access to abortion, she's also made clear she believes personal convictions of average Americans shouldn't stand in her way. Laws have to be backed up with resources and political will, and deep-seated cultural codes, religious beliefs, and structural biases have to be changed. Well, that may not matter to you because you might not be especially religious, but what about what Hillary Clinton has to say about all of us. First, about ordinary Americans on the right. You could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. <laughs> right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. And unfortunately, there are People like that. And he has lifted them up. Now, some of those folks 
they are irredeemable, but thankfully they are not America. Well, you might be a progressive and you might be thinking, well, all that's true. But what about what Hillary Clinton thinks of you? There's a, just a deep desire to believe that, you know, we can uh, have free college, free health care, that what we've done hasn't gone far enough and we just need to, you know, go as far as, you know, Scandinavia, um, whatever that means. And half the people don't know what it means, but it's, it's something that they deeply uh, feel. So as a friend of mine said the other day, I am occupying from the center left to the center right, and I don't have much company uh, there. See, as you've just heard, Hillary Clinton, who once criticized Donald Trump for saying that he and only he could fix problems, considers herself to be in a unique position. There's not much company where she is. She's just that much better than you are. But is she perfect? A recent slip by a reporter indicates that, certainly on a physical level, she is not a perfect specimen. Did you catch this? The comeback of the cardboard camera. Holy 80s driving to the photo mat, Batman. You know, we thought it was like a Secret Service thing, banning the cell phones. But yeah, then it was, also, so what do you say, guys? This I would get rid mine. of the selfie, right? You know what? This is the reason why it was banned, apparently, because the Secret Service did not trust people to disable the flashes on their cameras. Oh, interesting. And they were afraid it would uh, sort of inspire Hillary's seizure disorder that have a problem yeah, with so that again. Yeah, you could again. turn it off. Now let's use one of the left's favorite scenarios. Suppose a President Clinton is negotiating with Vladimir Putin. They stop for a photo op, and Putin says, Russian press will now take pictures, yes? Oh, Hillary, remove sunglasses. Let me gaze on your handsome, womanly face. Diplomatically speaking, Hillary Clinton will have to do it. The flash guns go off. And the President of the United States winds up having a seizure in the middle of diplomatic negotiations. Not a pretty picture. And hey, before people start bagging on me, remember, I am the unpleasant blind guy. You're not going to find me driving a city bus or flying an airliner. There are certain jobs that physically I know I simply cannot do. And no delusions of grandeur on my part are going to change those facts. Hillary Clinton is not only morally unqualified to be president of the United States, she's physically unqualified to be so. But Trump's a whiner, you say. I agree with President Obama. If the election results show that Hillary Clinton won, Trump should just concede. And if he doesn't, then he's just a thumb-sucking baby. A nice talk from some people who backed Al Gore, who made us wait over a month in 2000 before he conceded in that election. See, guys, in a sense, this election comes down to that issue. The issue of whether we're going to have an America for the elite class and everyone else, or whether we're going to have an America for everyone. There should be equal laws, equal responsibility, and equal treatment in the United States of America for everyone. That is much of what has driven the movement to elect Donald Trump as president. Now, we do have to talk about the election process itself, because part of the discussion going on today is that Trump and his supporters are whining because they say that the election process is rigged. Well, I would suggest that you go to the Project Veritas action page on YouTube and check out the videos there. They clearly show 
Democratic Party officials engaged in voter fraud, and some have had to resign from the campaign already. With all that stacked up against Donald Trump, it adds to the narrative that whether it's fairly done or not, Hillary Clinton already has this election. You hear this last part from too many commentators on the right. Well, people, I'm here to tell you that that's not correct. Yes, I know that the polls show that Clinton is ahead. And, with dire solemnity, commentators say, these polls are scientific, and those who take them make a living at it. Really? Oh, wow. (laughs) So-called climate scientists make a living at what they do, and yet they're sitting up now, clapping their hands, and barking like seals in support of the global warming movement. Journalists make a living at what they do, and how many of them are honest? People, the fact that someone gets paid for doing what they do does not mean that they don't have an agenda and that they're not going to take the money for doing a job even if they do that job in a dishonest way. Other so-called experts have come out and said, All this talk of a groundswell that we don't even see isn't going to happen. I know it. Let me tell you something, sports fans. This is the 13th of these election cycles that I've seen. And so far, the conventional wisdom of the graybeards has gone right out the window. You see, they give that response every time someone mentions Brexit. Well, I happen to know a little bit about that. You see, I panel every Friday and Sunday currently on the English Defense League radio program. All of the polls, all of the commentary, all of the conventional wisdom in the UK in June said that the Remain campaign was going to win and the United Kingdom was going to stay in the European Union. But what happened? The people went out and voted in their millions. They ignored the polls. They ignored the commentators. They ignored the news reports that said they'd already lost. And they went out and voted their consciences. Folks, Brexit won. And it won with 40% of the vote to leave the European Union coming from the British Labour Party, their equivalent of the American Democratic Party. The undercurrent among the people of the United Kingdom to leave the European Union was far, far stronger than the popular pundits in the United Kingdom could even conceive. If I didn't feel a confidence that Donald Trump stands a good chance of winning the presidency, I wouldn't say so. Instead, though, to you I say... Check with your local officials to make sure that you're still registered to vote. Get out there, vote Trump, and encourage others to do the same. You know, Al Gore never was right about a whole lot, but he was right about one thing. Your vote really does count. Every vote really does count. The advocates of self-rule can beat the election fixers. They can confound the pundits. It is possible to buck the quote-unquote scientific polls. Whether the big bugs want to admit it or not, Brexit proved that when enough people stand and make their voices heard at the ballot box, no amount of skullduggery will silence their voices. This program is going to run through the election with a new unpleasant blind guy coming out around November the 11th. So harden your resolve to do the right thing for self-rule and for personal liberty. Be prayerful and act. 
And with God's help, the people will win. That's it for this time. I appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you for listening. God be with you on Election Day. And may God go with the United States of America. Goodbye. The Unpleasant Blind Guy is copyright 2016. Anno Domini. Well, there you go. (laughs) Yes. We have a duty to do more than just vote. Hopefully we vote and get somebody in besides Hillary, which means Trump. And then what we're going to have to do is something that Americans are not used to doing, and that is to pay attention for four years and to make sure that our will is done. And we're going to have to hold them accountable. We're going to do this by firing the people who are in the Republican Party that did not support Trump. And we're going to do it by getting, and I mean not not support Trump, but, but people who supported Hillary. We need to get rid of them. And then we need to spend the next four years finding somebody that's constitutional to run, that understands it, that has a personality. I mean, Cruz, very constitutional, very no personality. We need somebody who can articulate conservatism, who can explain the Constitution and the Founding Fathers and what they meant and the way our government is supposed to work. Yes, you're right. God is the only one that can help us. We need the hand of providence involved in this, if he'll still help us. If he isn't disgusted with what we have done with all the sacrifices, so when am I running? (laughs) I haven't heard that one in a while. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Well, indeed. I could do it, but I don't think I could be elected. Uh, And I doubt I would be able to retain my job because of all the things that I would do would piss off everybody in power as I got rid of all their power and shoved it back to the States and the people. And that would cause a lot of problems. I did a show once talking, I think it was with Ken McClinton about what would happen if we actually reinstated the 10th amendment and the ninth, of course has to be with it too. And uh, and my argument is that the states would freak out if we reinstated the Tenth Amendment because they don't want to pay for all the things that the central government has stripped them of their power and then paid with centralized money to uh, to have happen. And so state governments would be afraid of a Tenth Amendment being re- restated. Uh, yeah, schools again and. Uh, a refresher on exactly what public schools or or what I'm not sure what you were asking there. That uh, we need a night of long knives after the election. That's exactly right, Doc. Good memory. That's exactly what we need to do. And uh, we need we need to do what the Romans called a decimation. Oh, the ninth and tenth amendments. Yeah, okay. I'll try and do that on Thursday. I'll I'll run over them again. 
But hey, Ann, welcome. Um, you went to public school, so you don't know about them. <laughs> At, uh, yeah, until we're all in the same boat, they certainly won't change. That's exactly right. Uh, we need to do a decimation. And the decimation would be that when a legion dishonored itself, the only way to regain its honor would be one out of ten would be killed. So they would just have everybody go one, two, three, four, you know, ten, and then start over one, two, three. And one out of every whatever, say they decided that the number three would be killed. And so they would get up there and they would uh, – Everybody that said number three, they would have one of those Roman short blades or broad blades, whatever they are, stuck into their ribs and killed. And they would die right there in the ranks, crumple down, and then the whole troop would move forward, reformat into a legion, uh, and address their uh, rank and cover. And then they would be a new unit because losing 10% of the personalities of that unit changed the dynamic of that unit. That's dreadful, but that was the way the Romans were. We need a decimation in the Republican Party. And I'm saying that one out of ten is a small number to start with, as opposed to a decimation of 10%. I think it probably should be 50 or 60, maybe even 90%, maybe 100. I would not be upset if we fired every one of the bastards and sent them home. Because there's only, in the entire Congress, 10 or 20 people worth saving. And uh, and so, you know, starting over, good enough for me. So anyway, there you go. The election's coming up, and it's very important. And, uh, and we have a civic duty to vote, but we also have a civic duty to pay attention after and to follow up and to monitor and then to address these issues with the elected people. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. I get that. So how do you do it? Well, if you can't do it on your own, and most of us can't or don't have time, you need to join organizations that do this. All right. This is what lobbying was supposed to be about. You're supposed to join organizations that will lobby to protect your rights and your freedoms. And uh, there are organizations out there. There used to be one called Write Your Congressman or something like that. And they would send you issues, and you would tell them where you come down on that issue and on the computer. And then you would select a letter, and they would have four or five different letters. And you could select one, or you could just write one and put your, your words in there. And then they would mail it off to uh, Congress, and they would receive it. There are other organizations that do similar things like that. Uh, Signing these petitions is probably a waste of your time. It might make you feel good for a few minutes, but they're not being paid attention to up in Washington. What we need to do is find organizations, and quite frankly, I don't know of any that are worthy of our time and effort but uh, or treasure. But we need to find some, and if you know of them, let me know, and I'll pass it on, that will go after government and keep an eye on them. Let us know what they're doing and help us to contact our elected leaders in a meaningful fashion to ensure better results. 
But if we don't, then we should not be surprised the next time an election rolls around that we get the same problems. And this is what we've been doing. True the vote is one. I've, uh, I've mentioned that several times on my shows. Uh, but, uh, in fact, I think that uh, came out of Texas, if I'm not mistaken. The stakes are too high, and all you have to do is look out there and see the little ones, the kids. During Halloween at my church last night, I was watching these kids, and I was thinking how sad I felt for them. Right now, they're worried about candy. If we fail people, if we allow our country to go down the crapper, they're not going to be worried about candy. They'll have other things to be worrying about, like eating, surviving, living. They'll be worried about how are they going to comply with the state's demands of them because they will become vassals and slaves to the state. And it will be our fault because we'll allow it to happen on our watch. The one duty, the one duty we have as American citizens was to preserve freedom, to preserve liberty, and to pass it on to the next generation. And the baby boomers have failed that. The millennials, Generation X, Y, Z, or whatever they are, all these new generations, I can't keep count, track of them, they don't have a clue. And most of them have grown up in, in public schools where they think the government's actually working exactly the way it's designed to be and that they're getting what they're supposed to get. And they think that this is the norm and this is what it's supposed to be. And they think people like me are the crackpots that don't know what we're talking about, that we're just old white guys who you know, are sitting around quoting even older dead white guys. And we need to protect them and educate them and rally them. I put on a young man from a private school to show you that it can be done, that the youths of America are teachable. They do have passion, and they do have the ability to learn, but they don't know, most of them, that they're missing it. You didn't know until you found me? <laughs> well, thank you. Well, you found me. Now go find others and drag them over here. Click on the like buttons, follow buttons, and get them in. Oh, we got a couple calls. Dagnabbit. All right. <clears throat> I'll try and get the calls. I'm, I thought I was summing out the leave, but uh, let's see. You've been on longest, so we'll bring you up. Hello, you're on the air, 1111. Skype call. Is that you, Ed? Yeah, I was I was just wondering what you're, what you're doing, um, you know, sucking up some uh, of the best lines from, from my uh, – from my, uh, you know, post-election show, if it so happens that uh, that Trump wins, that's exactly what I was going to tell people to do. You know, it was going to be, okay, celebrate today, you know, um, that Hillary Clinton didn't get in, but then it's time to go to work. Right. That's exactly right. Our uh, <clears throat> what to do after <laughs> shows we did, you know, they uh, that's what got me thinking along those lines. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's, way it's not... Yeah, well, certainly. And, and, you know, we we have to get out of this notion that we can just we can just put somebody in that's not the, the worst one of the of, of the bunch. And uh, 
and they're going to fix it all for us. Uh, you know, it's uh, we're going to have to do exactly all the stuff that you're talking about. And, uh, you know, it's it's going to it's going to take work and that's going to be tough for people who actually work for a living. Um, you know, but it, it it we used to do yeah. this all all the time because civics used to be taught in school and people used to understand that they needed to do this and they needed to keep their, uh, you know, when a congressman would come for a town hall, you know, the place would be full of the busting, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and they'd know they'd be responsible. But now, you know, they just say, well, you know, that guy hasn't screwed up for the past 40 years. We'll vote for him again. You know, we're, we're going to have to get out of that. And, um, you know, where the, uh, the Republican party is going to have to be fixed or nixed one or the other. Um, and and the and the election process, things like open primaries, that's that's going to have to go. Um, we'll have a lot to right. do, uh, in, and uh, we'll, we'll have a lot to do if Clinton gets elected as well. But if if Trump gets in, we'll we'll still have a lot to do. So there you go, man. Uh, you know, I, I I'm going to let you uh, I'm going to let you go ahead and wind it down to leave. But I just wanted to let you know uh, a that I'm here and and b that um, I'm in complete agreement. And c thank you for playing my. Uh, my my uh, pre-election show. Appreciate Absolutely, figure it out before the election this year. And and hey, you know what? Um, uh, just for your listeners, um, the underground professor is going to be joining uh, Kel Fritzy and myself on Red Fox Radio the night of November the eighth, starting at eight p.m. Texas time, uh, where we're going to be kicking off a uh, a uh, election watch party. We'll we'll be joined uh, by people like Mike Holt of Restore Australia. Jeff Mitchell of the English Defense League. Um, this election is being watched closely and uh, is a very much concerned to people worldwide. And, um, Prof, you're going to be very much welcome and wanted there, and it's going to be quite the party, man. So uh, look forward to seeing you there. And thank you, my friend. Yay. I'm looking forward to it. And by the way, uh, I don't know if you heard this or not, but, you know, <laughs> in your in your show you talked about uh, uh, the sabotage that was done to Trump uh, headquarters offices around the country. Right. At, uh, on uh, Friday night, a truckload of cow manure was dumped at the Democrat headquarters <laughs> on their front porch. <laughs> so, I will bet you. I'll bet you anything in the world that that the people that did that were Democrats. Probably. And the only reason, and the only reason I say like that is because is because of the instances of. Um, of mosque quote unquote desecrations and um, defacements that uh, you find were actually performed by uh, by uh, the Muslims themselves, right? Uh, it, in fact, that's what, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Well, in, in fact, one was one was done over in the UK. Uh, it was a, a defacement of a mosque over in the UK. They drew some, excuse me, they drew some swastikas on it and stuff, which is really stupid because the Nazis and the Muslims agreed with each other. But, right. uh, you know, it, that, that was all part of the thing that was supposed to make people take pictures of it and go, oh, my God, these terrible people are doing this. And they tried to blame it on the e- EDL, um, you know, but they had a little spelling problem and they spray painted it uh, and they sprayed it painted on the side of uh, the ELD. <laughs> ELD, yeah. 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 The so, liberation <laughs> dummies. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you know, speaking of spelling things wrong, you know, the dog pound uh, for what is that? Cleveland uh, has the dog pound. Yeah, they had uh, so they had some big signs that a whole bunch of fans were holding. You know, to you know, these big huge signs, 
and uh, and it was it said something like the dog pound on it, but they got it out of order, and, <laughs> and so they look like morons on uh, on the NFL show. You can Google that or YouTube it probably and find out what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right, right, my friend. Thank you. You bet. Bye. And and here we got 0282. You got a couple of minutes. Talk to me. Okay, (laughs) Professor. I can't wait. Hey, what do you say, Professor? Do you say that it takes a village to shield a treasonous criminal? (laughs) That's what it's looking like, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, I would think so. But you know, this may be the most salutary and instructive election in the history of the United States, certainly in living memory, when people finally begin to understand what all the constitutional checks and balances were meant to provide as a protection against a depraved, corrupt, uh, degenerate criminal like the Clintons, and I mean collectively. I never thought I'd see anybody uh, who in their collective body uh, makes me loathe them more than Obama did, but now I have. The Clintons. (laughs) In a collective yeah, persona. Exactly. They're unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. But just think for a minute. Now, people talk about what will happen if she's forced to drop out of the race. Uh, you know, what if people have already voted? Well, I, I would like right. to remind people that the real election is the Article Two election that is held when the Electoral College meets, and they transmit That's their right. sealed votes to the president pro tem of the Senate, the president of the Senate. That's the real election. And that's one of the checks that the founding fathers put in, the framers of the Constitution put in, and that is they can vote for anybody that's constitutionally eligible. That's right. Anybody. And this is an interesting thing is that if if she gets kicked out, uh, because it's the state legislatures that pick the electoral college uh, delegates, and they usually vote for what is in the general election of the state. But we as a state, like, say, Texas, we could stop it and say, wait a minute. We want to suspend the Secretary of State. We want them to suspend that vote and either have a new vote or instruct the legislature to instruct the delegates in a different manner. So there are options. uh, Exactly. And And this is something that I think people need to understand. The states run the elections in accordance with A, their state constitutions and the provisions of the United States Constitution. And they're free to set it up any way they wish. And yes. this is what I want people to start understanding as maybe, and this maybe, this will be the crack for the people to reclaim the Constitution from the federal government, where it is unlawfully usurped and unconstitutionally usurped the powers that are designated to the states. Yes, that's exactly right. This this is a real opportunity for the Tenth Amendment if, if we uh, try this treasonous bitch and put her in, in Leavenworth. Uh, and and by the way, treason is still a hangable offense, so I'm kind of excited. About uh, yes, that. I'm looking forward to that possibility, even if it never comes to fruition. I, I got to admit, yeah. uh, you know, just the prop, prop, this the I'm literally salivating at the probability of uh, the Clintons being put on trial for various offenses. I saw Rudy Giuliani lay out a case for at least minimum a hundred count indictment against the Clintons. Perhaps as I has three hundred counts on various federal uh, crimes, and even as high at the far end of 2,000 or so counts of uh, 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 um, violation of various federal offenses, to say nothing of the RICO predicates that are involved, because the Clintons are literally in the same league as a Cosa Nostra or mob organization outfit family. 
There is no exactly. legal difference. Now, and, and that's not even going back to all the other things, like the Rose Law Firm records or, or the cattle futures <laughs> or any of that. Well, statute of limitations might be up on that. But, you know, it's interesting <laughs> that even if this wench does get elected and she winds up there in, uh, in, in, the, in, in the White House, then the first order of business of the United States Congress, the House of Representatives, should be to draft bills of impeachment. First thing they need yeah. to start doing. Well, I, I mean, they really—if if they're going to be true to their oath yeah. of office, there shouldn't be anything yeah. else that should occupy it further, other than perhaps uh, a state of war. Absent that, well, they, yeah. nothing else should have a higher priority. Well, they should remove and replace the speaker, and maybe even impeach him, and then impeach the president if it's Hillary. <laughs> that it should be no, done. In I, that I order. can't see any other way because statute of limitations won't even be up on this. And even if it was, which it won't be, there was nothing to prevent them from impeaching her, because uh, impeachment is merely a civil matter. Yeah, the only thing is a criminal matter. And then once she's a private citizen. She can be tried, um, you know, uh, 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 criminally because you can't yeah. you can't put the executive branch of the United States government in jail. I mean, you just can't do it. No. You got to remove them first. You can't That's jail right. the executive branch of the U.S. government. So I mean, yeah, they got to be, be removed first. But this ought to be a real lesson in the Constitution for a lot of people because too many of us just don't understand how it works or how it's intended to work, at least. And this, I, I'm hoping, will be the opportunity to provide that edification and that instruction. Let's not let it go to waste. <laughs> I'm with you, Sarge. Good to hear your voice again. Yeah, <laughs> you too, man. Keep up the good work. And uh, this, we are living in interesting times, are we not? Yes, that curse has come true. <laughs> yes, it has. Yeah. Amen. All right, buddy. I'll see you again next time, and I hope, and uh, and keep it coming. At, uh, I've got two minutes left, so let me say goodbye to everybody, and, and we'll do the show again Thursday. You got any closing thoughts you want to do? Yeah, uh, everybody stay on it. Um, you know, let uh, let your representatives know what you're thinking about, and uh, uh, whatever you do, even if you don't want to vote for Trump, just don't vote for Hillary Clinton, please. Anything else. <laughs> Write in somebody. Yeah. Jill Stein, Gary John, anybody but Clinton. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Sarge. <laughs> yeah, take care. <laughs> All right. And I think I got just enough voice now to say goodnight to y'all. Next show, Thursday at 7 p.m. This is the Underground Professor radio show, and uh, we are uh, copyrighted and trademarked all that junk. So thank you. Thank you uh, for my service on Veterans Day. Oh, thank you. I'm an old devil dog yourself. Yep, Marines, thank you. Who are at. Uh, and uh, uh, Veterans Day's coming up too, so I'll, I guess I'll tell y'all Thursday about the shows for that and everything. I'll have to go look at the calendar and think it out. Uh, my brain's not working right now. Good night, everybody. God bless you. This has been copyrighted in the year of your Lord 2016 via Con Toodles. <laughs>